What's going on, guys? This is the second half of a very good podcast that I had with Emmanuel Abolo. Uh, and we he asked me a really good question, which is if I went back in time and I had all the resources I had today, what would I tell myself then to fast track my success? And I think it was a, an interesting answer that a lot of people got good stuff out of. Uh, we transitioned to talking about reviews and testimonials and how to stack those uh, to get more people to want to buy your stuff. And then finally, how to leverage those things into getting tons and tons of leads for your business, especially if you are starting out. And so if you're in any of those positions, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. So, I mean, when it now comes to selling this offer, right, you are putting out this offer, and, you know, usually when we say we're on sales calls, we basically have one to five things. We just want to double around three to five things we want to say on this call. How then do you include all this? Do you just wait for them to get to the point of the objection, and then you just, if they say... Um, I can't, you know, I can't do this. Then you tell them, oh yeah, I have, I have this covered. So is that how you, you know, think around? Yes. It comes, if you're yeah. in a one-on-one selling situation, you want to include those bonuses because you want to over-deliver. So if mm-hmm. I didn't promise you something, and then when you buy it, you get more than I promised you, you're happy. That's yeah. the point. We want happy customers. If when we get on the sales call, they, they say, you know, I got to think about it. Then we would ask the simplest question in all of sales, which is, what's your main concern? What are you afraid of having happen? If this went poorly, what would that look like? And what they'll do is they'll tell you what their fears are. And then it's up to us to say, totally understand, every customer I have is the exact same fears. And here's how we make sure that's not going to happen. Fair enough. And then we go for the sale, right? And if they say no, it's like, what else is your main concern? What else are you concerned about? Right? And then they'll tell you something else. And you're like, totally understand. So we did to make sure you do that. Little quick anecdote about how we made it. And that's how you won't have to struggle with that issue. Fair enough. And we just keep going back over and over and over again about how we've solved the problem and then we present the offer again. Yeah. And when you were traveling to gyms at the start of your journey, you were helping them get more customers. But you're also working on their offers. And how did you call their offers? Yeah, on their offers. So for them, them, I already knew what the offer was. Okay. So I already had the best converting offer and I already had all the bonuses made. So I white labeled all of the bonuses that I had spent all my time providing. So you're like, how am I going to do all this work? I'm like, I already did all the work for you. I made the grocery list. I made the fruit preparation structure. I made the eat out guide. I made the, the, the liquor fingers lunches, the, the delectable dinners, the, 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 the banging breakfast, the, the shake guide. I made all of those things and I made them for four different weight classes. So they had 40 different deliverables that they could just slap their logo on. And then I made, I showed the video on how to slap your logo on this thing so that they could make it easier for them. Yeah. Right. I provided all that stuff. And then I spent my own money. I worked the leads myself. I sold them myself. And then I taught them how to fulfill those customers in person. And I did that for almost two years. And we were like, they do it one time. And they're like, ah, why am I not a guru? Well, you have to be really good. I think that's probably the reason why the niching thing is really important, right? Really niching to an avatar that you can really, like you have basically everything laid out for them. You can just plug and play. That makes a lot of sense. So basically when it comes to pricing, okay, I think I've asked you this already. Yeah, when you, you, you said at the beginning of your journey, um, you were basically building out of scarcity. Yes, you were building your businesses out of scarcity because you wanted to make money. Now, if you had to go back in time, because quite a number of people here are probably at that spot where they need to make money. And now you are basically giving it all away. Right? Would you still be, quote unquote, giving it all away if you went back in time with your mindset currently when you are in, in terms of building your business and starting out more? How, how would you approach yeah. that? It's a great question. Um, I think that I would 
more quickly pivot to where I'm at now and probably instead of taking so long to do it. But I mean, I would still satisfy my immediate needs. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I need to go make money, I would go make sure that I was, that I was making money, but I might do it differently. And so that's one of the difficulties is that like I have context um, and skills now that I didn't have when I started. So if I were to start over again, I would probably be able to do things that I didn't know how to do when I started. So I would see opportunities in a very different way. I would know how to build the business so much faster than I did then. And so, I mean, if you're operating out of scarcity, I completely understand. I, I, I tend to just lean towards stop trying to be cute and stop trying to be fancy and, and just find, you know, find an avatar that you like and do everything you can to solve their problem, right? Everyone just gets so obsessed with their revenue metrics and their, the other thing that they forget about the customer. So like, just go crazy on the customer and if you can do that, you'll make the money. And then the longer you give before you ask, the more money you'll make. And I'll tell you a big wealth secret. If you give enough, you don't ever have to ask. People will just come to you and they'll give to you without you ever asking. Basically better than the jump, 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 right? Right. I mean, Gary yeah. Vee talks about it too. So it's not yeah. just, like he talks about it as he's, he's mentioned this. So it's not, it's not me saying anything different than him. But yeah. if you just give more. And so the, the real real is if you can satisfy your immediate needs, right? You can satisfy your immediate needs for food and shelter. If you can take a longer term perspective, you will win much better, much faster because goodwill multiplies faster than revenue. And so you want to hold back that ask as long as humanly possible. And if you do hold it back as long as humanly possible, you'll be surprised that you will monetize without even needing to try. This is just my firsthand experience with this. And you might be like, Alex, sure, you can say that now because you've X, Y, and Z. And sure, right. I can't have a long-term perspective because I don't need, I don't need any of that stuff. But I'm telling you, it is a better business strategy. Like it is. And that's why you look at the biggest companies in the world that give, they give so much value for free. And they find other ways to monetize it, right? Like Gmail. It's free. Like, how crazy is that? It's free. They made Gmail for free, right? Yeah. Google, we could use it for free. We get to use YouTube for free. It's nuts, right? And they find other ways to monetize it. So that's kind of the idea here. Is that like, and a lot of times when people are, are starting out, they're afraid of giving their secret sauce away. And the answer is you should always just give away as much as you really can. And I know that I'm giving away the quote right amount when I'm afraid of how much value I've given. Like, if you're not afraid of how much you're giving away, it's not. A, yeah. Like, you should have anxiety about it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, someone is asking, and I think I'll just tie this to the, um, you know, the passive likelihood of achievement. She says, how do you handle clients um, on calls asking for testimonial or references for a new offer? And, you know, basically, I think that's basically trying to communicate to them that the likelihood of results is high, but this time is a new offer. So how do you do so? Do you frame it that? How do you frame this business? Well, you run a beta group. I mean, this one's, I mean, that's the, like, if you've never done it before, then don't promise something. Go take 20 people and say, I'll do it for free as long as you give me a testimonial and you give me fair feedback so I can help you throughout this process. I mean, I spent two years going from gym to gym for no money. Was... So like, I mean, like I lived this. People do it for yeah. a month. I did it for two years. You know, I'm just, I'm just putting perspective on this. Like the wider the base of the pyramid which is the foundation that you decide to lay in terms of the depth of your skill, the taller the peak is. For fear of sounding trite, there's no, there's no shortcut. Like the height of your pyramid will be determined by your skill set, the depth of your skill, the depth of your roots that you've planted. And the depth comes from repetition. It comes from volume. It comes from scale. It comes from time, right? It's time under the bar. And a lot of people just aren't willing to do that. And that's why most people won't achieve the level of success they desire. They want it so bad, they're not willing to wait. But the only way to get it is to wait long enough that it becomes inevitable. 
Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it's too hard. That's my to, yeah. Yeah, it looks so hard to wait as, as, some, as sometimes because, I mean, you really have to cover the views and all. But, it's just because of comparison, though. It's not actually hard to wait. Mm-hmm. You know, my, 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 my dad said this to me, and I think there's, there's some wisdom in it. He said, you know what? No matter how much money you make, he said, chicken tastes like chicken and rice tastes like rice. Nothing changes. It's just, it's just people feel like they're, quote, falling behind from some dude on Instagram who's probably lying, right? Like in my stuff, some people compare their, their numbers to my numbers. And like, how many years have you been in business right now? My current advice, two years. Three years, right. Yes. So for context, my third year in business, I think I made $50,000. My fourth yes. year in business, I made $50,000. Right. And so like people see what we're doing now and they're like, oh my God, I'm like it's, it's been almost a decade, you know, and like we're now just receiving some level of notoriety. And candidly, the other part of it is that we made our money doing the thing rather than teaching how to do the thing. And I think that's lost in a lot of people. Everyone gets to 10,000 a month and immediately makes the course on 10, how to make 10,000 a month rather than why don't you go to a hundred thousand a month? Why don't you go do a million a month? Why don't you just keep doing the thing that you're doing? Absolutely. Um, I think I'll just probably take this one as a last question. Um, someone says, how, as a virtual assistant, how do you position your agency for high-paying clients? So do you have any specific, unique answer to that? Real quick, guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, somebody probably tweeted it, told you about it, shared it on Instagram or something like that. The only way this grows is through word of mouth. And so I don't run ads. I don't do sponsorships. I don't sell anything. My only ask is that you continue to pay it forward to whoever showed you or however you found out about this podcast that you do the exact same thing. So if it was a review, if it was a post, if you do that, it would mean the world to me and you'll throw some good karma out there for another entrepreneur. Well, I think there would be a business model question too. So, you know, there's a number of different models you can do there. You could specialize in creating one specific type of service provider. So let's say you were like, I will train people on how to run ads. And so you say, hey, I'll give you a media buyer for, you know, $10,000 one time and it'll be fully trained. And after that, it's only, you know, 200 bucks a month, right? Or whatever, you know, whatever the the income of, of the VA is, right? That would be one model. You know, another model could be same concept in terms of what you do, but you might monetize by saying, hey, you can pay me $1,000 a month and I'll assign you a full-time rep. And you pay $200 a month to the person the whole time. And as long as they stay an employee of that, of that company, that becomes a staffing play from a, like, a, you become like a staffing company for payroll. That has very, very good enterprise value, has really good stick rates for the most part, as long as the people are good. So again, if you have a high level of skill, you can teach people the high level skill, which means that you can sell the high level skill on their behalf to other people for more money. If you are not that skilled, you will not be able to teach a high level of skill. And so that you won't be able to sell a high level of skill on their behalf. So it all comes still back to like, what's the value that we can provide? And the better you can get at both acquiring the skill for yourself and teaching the skill in a replicable way, then if you do that, then you'll always be able to provide value, right? Because you're helping this person who's the VA get probably better income than they would normally be able to get. You're going to help the business owner get labor for lower than they normally would be able to make. And there's this nice delta of room. And that's where you can extract the value that you want for yourself for connecting the two. Awesome. And just because I've had you say this quite often, quite a while recently, about the five different channels of lead generation. I'm talking about one media, end media, um, six rather, six, yeah. One media, end media, um, paid traffic, you know, outreach and, um, you know, referrals. I talk about five of them being linear, one being quadratic. Because someone here is asking about organic markets and how you feel about it. So I feel that maybe you could just elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. So, 
like Emmanuel just said, there's a lot of ways to acquire customers, right? And yeah. each of the strategies has pros and cons. If you're at zero to a million, you just need to pick one. You have to pick one and become a master at it because that's you when you're starting out. You have no leverage. Once you get higher up, you'll still probably need to learn a second one or scale that one even higher to maybe you know three million a year. And then at that, that point, you'll have enough leverage from a monetary perspective that you can find someone who's good at another channel, bring them in, and then have them build out a second channel. And then find someone else who's good at it and build out another channel. You can't try and pay someone to learn it. That's a dumb idea. Find someone who's already done it for a business that's similar to yours and then have them build out that team on that channel. So in terms of what are my feelings on organic marketing, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan if you're very good. Kylie Jenner, it's worked great for her. Kim Kardashian's worked great for her. Rihanna, it's worked great for her, right? So if you have a, if you have star power and you're good on camera or you look amazing or or you have or you're amazing at delivering content, and the way that you define that is if you make stuff and people share it and subscribe to your channel or follow you or download your podcast, then you're good at it. If you do it and none of that happens, then you're not that good at it. And so I think the the lesson, at least for the organic stuff, is you can start investing in that stuff now. Because in time, you'll get better at it and it'll be a hockey stick. For two years, three years, nothing will happen. And then all of a sudden, you'll get good enough after you make 100 videos or 200 videos, 300 videos. You'll learn your voice, learn how to speak, you'll learn your keys, and you'll start to really develop something that becomes more interesting to an audience, right? It's okay to suck. I think everyone just doesn't give themselves permission to suck. But in terms of speed to money, paid traffic is the fastest. It also requires the most skill and requires capital. So not everyone's in that situation. So if you're looking for the cheapest, fastest, then you're, you're pretty much left with three channels, right? Which is going to be your owned media, which is all the contacts you already have in your cell phone, your, your followers on Instagram, your friends on Facebook, all those people have given you permission to access them. So that's the fastest and cheapest and probably highest likely to success for most people who are starting out. You probably have between all of those, at least 2000 people who, between all those sources I just said, that doesn't even include a customer list, just, just that. So it's 2,000 people you can reach out to. If you reach out to 100 people a day, it would take you 20 days just to get through the list once. So you could have multiple runs at that list and you'd probably have enough cash flow and experience to then go to either cold outbound because you'd learn enough from the warm to extrapolate it to cold, which would be in a second way, which is fast in terms of like you can, you can make some money and it costs you very little because it's just your time. But scaling it requires people. So you have two people doing that, five people doing that, 20 people doing outbound on your behalf. The next way is affiliates. And that's probably like, if I had to start over tomorrow and I had to make a ton of money, it would be, how do I find partners that already have my client base that I can tap into and create some sort of value proposition to them to make it a win? Mm -hmm. And so my last two companies were off that strategy. You know what I mean? So my supplement company is based on affiliate network. It's not, it's not on any direct response. So how do I feel about organic? If you're good at it, it's worth it. It takes time. And if you need to feed yourself today, I would do that so that eventually you'll get the dividends, but I would still like your, your money is going to be like, make sure you don't get obsessed with that. I would say, take the two hours a week, do the, do the two or three videos or podcasts or whatever it is that you want to do. And then the remainder of your week is, is focused on making money. Awesome. Ask about Facebook groups. Facebook groups are fine. It's just, a, it's a, it's a version of owned or uh, earned media. Yeah. Awesome. And um, your book, the next book coming out, is it $100 million generation or which of them exactly? Yeah, I think it'll be lead generation. I think lead generation will be number two. And then the third one will be money models, which is kind of the, uh, originally it was called monetization structures, but I have a feeling that doesn't sound as sexy as money models. So uh, I'll call it money models. Uh, but it's basically all the different ways that you can structure offers to monetize uh, off promotions. And so there's 19 different offer structures that I have in the book. It's one of the ones that I'm actually the most afraid of publishing. It was the first book I wrote. 
because I think it's like the stuff that I geek out the most about, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be too dense. So I might, I might have to figure out how to make it really readable for people. Cause it's offer combinations, how to sell continuity, downsells, upsells, like all the different kind of like metrics and things like that, that you need to look at, but I'm not sure if it's going to be too boring. So I'm, I'm trying to make it really interesting. All right. Um, yeah. And you basically have about six more. So you said, is it nine in total? I think I have, I think I have 10 in total. I know the first six and I'm sure that once I write the six, I'll probably have three or four more that'll come out of it, but it'll be, so we have offers first. We'll have lead generation second. I think money models will be third. Sales will be fourth. Sales teams will be fifth. Increasing uh, lifetime gross profit per customer will be sixth. I'll probably come up with a sexier name for that, but that's what it is, is making more per customer. And then I'll probably end up making some sort of one around money, just money in general, uh, money beliefs, wealth stuff. I'll probably make something around buying and selling businesses. And so I'll let it evolve over time. But the first, the first six are pretty, pretty clearly defined. I already have those wireframed out in the first. The next two books are already pretty much written. I just have to go back over them and re-edit them and try and simplify them and make them easier to read and put more pictures in and all that stuff. So I would just like to know, you know, what's next for you? Maybe in the next, you know, after you're done with all these, you know, books and then what's next? Well, that'll probably take me a few years. So, <laughs> um, I mean, acquisition.com and the courses and books that are going to come out for free um, from there, that's kind of just a, a passion work. I'll probably continue to do that as I acquire more skills and as beliefs change. I'll probably also update some of them and re-release a few of them if like they change substantially or my views develop on them. But the phase that I'm entering is I'm trying to just deploy capital into small businesses. So, you know, three, five, 10, $20 million businesses and you know, invest in them and the entrepreneurs, and then also, you know, use the resources that I have, the connections that I have, and then, you know, whatever strategic insights I can provide uh, to help them grow. So that's pretty much what I think my foreseeable future is going to be is that. And then there's, um, I'll probably layer in a strong element of philanthropy beyond the obvious of just giving away everything for free for everyone who's not a company that I own. (laughs) So that's just kind of, so that's, that's where it's at. And I think that, um, you know, Leila and I have the goal of, of giving away more than as being the couple that gave the most. And so that's, that's, you know, I don't know if we'll ever achieve that, but that is the, that is the goal we have. Cause at the end of the day, like there's one thing to, to hold it all and then donate a bigger number. Cause I think we'll be better at allocating capital than maybe a charity would be. But you know, in some ways it's like, what's the point of accumulating it all then dying and giving it away. It's like, I'd almost rather, I'd rather give less than an absolute amount and then enjoy the benefit. But then I think, is that me being selfish? So I go through all of these different, <laughs> different versions of yeah. the same thing. And I'm like, well, does it matter if I'm being selfish? Cause it won't matter anyways. So anyway, that's where I, where I head off into. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you.